Hi, this is Jason. Welcome to episode four of the Filmography Club podcast. Today we continue our trek through the filmography of one Paul Thomas Anderson, writer-director of eight critically acclaimed films thus far. And today we're talking about one of PTA's quirkier films, Punch Drunk Love. This is PTA's shortest film so far, clocking in at a brisk 95 minutes. Wikipedia describes Punch Drunk Love as a romantic black comedy, and that's as fair an assessment as any I could muster. Starring one of my least favorite actors, that's Adam Sandler, this film manages to win me over anyhow, thus is my appreciation for this season's subject's work. My guest today is Caleb Dirks. Caleb is a freelance videographer. A few of the films he's worked on include A Common Era, Mea Culpa, and Midnight Munchies. He's also shot music videos for Janelle and the Gentleman, El Duke, and Pet Envy. Shout out to Jake, Matt, Jordan, and Shelby. He's worked as a producer, screenwriter, and director of photography, giving him a well-rounded perspective on many of the disciplines of filmmaking. We met literally 15 minutes before we started our conversation, and he was a blast to talk movies with. As you'll hear in a moment, he's bright, funny, knowledgeable, and very enthusiastic about film. We had a great conversation about Paul Thomas Anderson's fourth film, the charming and endearing Punch Drunk Love. So, here we go. Jason, yeah, thanks for having me. This yeah, is a man. lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for being here. So we're here today to talk about Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson's fourth film, his uh, quickest, his shortest film. Took yeah. him a good uh, three-year break between Magnolia, his longest film. He went from his longest to his shortest. Um, 1999, I believe, for Magnolia. 2002 yeah. for Punch Drunk Love. Super short little 95-minute movie. He went from his longest to his shortest. Stars Adam Sandler. Craziness. Adam Completely Sandler. crazy. Yeah, right? yeah. A little, yeah. little character study after the big sprawling epics that were, I mean, we got two of those in a row, really, with, with Boogie Nights, and then Magnolia was even bigger and even more epic. And then he just decided, hey, we need a palate cleanser here. Let's let's rein all of my... Uh, my artistic writing tendencies in. Yeah, yeah. Let's have maybe like five characters in the movie rather than yeah. 200. I don't know. Yeah, I looked it up <laughs> earlier and there's like six named characters in the, in the whole movie. Exactly, yeah. Which is great. That's 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 fine with me. Like I said, I, I needed a little palate cleanser after Magnolia. Magnolia was a heavy, heavy drama. Absolutely. Big, big, big movie, big, big themes. And this movie deals with, uh, it's got some kind of, it's got weight to it without a doubt. Yes, absolutely. But it's a brisk watch. I watched it maybe five, six days ago, and man, the thing just zipped right on by, didn't it? It hums. It definitely does. And I went to look look back, scrub back through, um, and it was just like, oh, wow, okay, there's not much to look back at. We got 10 scenes, essentially. Like, yeah. It, it's so fast. Yeah, I think like uh, on Magnolia, like Tom Cruise was kind of like the what? Who who's he casting here? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, mm-hmm. really? But right. it makes me like 
love Tom Cruise at a level that I didn't know was possible. Same but, here. Um, yeah. And and hate. I mean, that's that's the sure. duality. Of course, hate Tom Cruise. Um, but <laughs> he's so amazing. But I like. What P.T. Anderson has this like crush on Adam Sandler or something? Where like what is that? Very bizarre to me. I, I'm not sure where this comes from, but he defends him staunchly in interviews from around this era. Yeah, he defends those movies, those little Nickies and stuff. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to shit on Adam Sandler. I'm not going to spend yeah. this entire episode just trash talking <laughs> the guy. But I'm not the biggest Adam Sandler fan in the world. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. And, but it takes one of my favorite filmmakers writing a part specifically for the guy. And that's a testament to him as a writer. Because I agree. he took a guy like Tom Cruise, who really I just don't have much interest in. I mean, there's a few exceptions here and there because the Agreed. guy's got such a... Prolific, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so yeah. much out there. Uh, but on the whole, I'm not a big Tom Cruise guy. But that movie, Magnolia, really made me respect him as an, as a, as an actor. Agreed. And I have to say, he, he kind of did the same thing with Adam Sandler here. He didn't really have to stretch his legs too much and, and go out too far outside of his wheelhouse. Okay, like the way he says okay, or yeah, <laughs> like it's so good. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, but uh, he just he's really good at writing parts for specific actors and and making me making me buy it, making me yeah. believe it, making me love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just mentioned also Boogie Nights, and I think like I was thinking about this earlier today, and I think uh, uh, Barry Egan. Mm-hmm. Right? He's kind of the antithesis of uh, Dirk Diggler. Is that the right word? The exact opposite. He's yeah, the opposite. I think so. Like Dirk Diggler is like growing up. Like I got this cock and I got to use it. You right. know, he's yeah, like all gift. of it. And I don't know how did Barry get this job. What is this job? How did he get like? I just don't know how Barry wound up anywhere in life. I really don't because he's so like meek and quiet and just like. I don't know, but I love this uh, 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 luxury plunger uh, shop that he has yeah. five employees to work at, too. He does. Like, and Wikipedia, if we can trust Wikipedia, <laughs> describes him as an entrepreneur. That's, yeah. That's all they say about what he does. But he works in a in a warehouse, and he fills orders for, like, plungers for hotels and, I'm yeah. sure, other stuff, too. But I guess he's got some real good contracts going with, like, novelty plungers at hotels. Like. <laughs> yeah, the ones that don't shatter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I guess we should say that Paul Thomas Anderson swears up and down that this movie was his serious attempt at making uh, just a, a flat-out comedy. Yeah. Um, like I said to Dicey last episode, I, I do not believe him. <laughs> I think I think Paul Thomas is, is Anderson is bullshitting us when he says that. But there are genuinely hilarious moments in this movie. Agreed. You, you have to wait for them and you kinda have to look for them. They don't they don't demand your attention like, say, a lesser Adam Sandler vehicle might. Correct. Yeah, no, you're not there's not the devil with boobs on his head, or, right? You know, or, that's or, how you know it's funny. Yeah, exactly. And I do. There are funny. I do love moments of those movies, and there are uh, Adam Sandler's performances are unbelievable. How can you act that goofy right. for like an hour and a half and like be willing? Or I don't know. Like it's it's its own thing. Yeah. Um. Well, in this one, he's a 
sullen, just a, a yeah. he's a sad bastard in this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I was. Um, he's depressed. He's he's got depression. It's, it's depression. Yeah. I do agree. I think it's a man uh, emerging from depression and finding his way out of that. Yeah. And so yeah, this is a comedy, but it starts out feeling like uh, more like a David Lynch film. Like it's like terrifying there's some existential dread when he's like looking around the corner and like looking out and it's just like oh god here comes these cars what's gonna happen just him peeking out into the world out of his own little corner that he's made for himself and he's very timid about it he's he's mouse-like it's yeah i don't know if you heard my first episode my guest will fox we talked about heart eight obviously nice he's got a theory that in paul thomas anderson movies 18 wheelers represent dramatic change that's out of your control that just Im- that just barges into your life and there's the moment in hard eight at the very beginning when i don't know if you've seen it or not very few I people actually have seen it i haven't seen okay. hard eight i have to it's great but at the i was going to lie like barry and then try to like make it all the way through sure. and at the end i tell sure. you the truth that i didn't but <laughs> well right at the very beginning of the movie we get a shot of john c Riley's character off in the background looking very sad and just upset and, and destitute. And then the camera starts pushing in and Sydney walks into frame. And the, the, the meeting of these two guys is what starts the whole movie uh, yeah. story wise and just, you know, chronologically. And just as he's about to approach him an 18 wheeler comes through the frame and it takes up the entire frame. Yeah. And that moment changes everything. And then in this movie, when he grabs the harmonium, he looks down the street both both ways, and there's just like nothing coming. <laughs> yeah, and then out of nowhere, this big, loud, eighteen wheeler. Yeah, and that that kind of starts his his journey. Yeah, right there. And then, of course, later on, when they leave that same that very same. In fact, I went back and checked that very same eighteen wheeler shows up after they get kicked out of the uh, restaurant. The restaurant? Yeah, the one on the corner he, there. Yeah, when he beats up Bathroom, the restroom. Yeah. yeah. When he leaves, that truck comes around a corner and, and rides right alongside him. Yeah. Which, that was a, a, a big moment for their relationship as well. Yeah. I think Will might be onto something with that. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I definitely picked up on the 18-wheelers. Also, when he leaves... Oh, when he leaves his work um, later, when he's like, oh, we'll figure out the pudding later. Now we open right. up the pudding. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> so we got so much to talk about. But we he's did. like, well, we'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll figure out the pudding later. And as he walks out the door, a red semi goes by. And red is definitely the color of um, what's uh, Emily? Is it Lena? Yeah. Or, or Lena. Lena? Lena, I think. I, think. I just watched this movie and I can't remember. Her yeah, name. whoops. Same. Yeah. Um, Emily Watson. Oh, she's incredible. But yeah, red represents her color. So it's a red yeah. semi going by. That's his transition. He has changed. He mm-hmm. has made this decision to follow her. And, to... and blue is his color. And blue is all on the side of the uh, the first 18 women yeah. that I mentioned, as a matter of fact. Blue being, of course, symbolizing uh, sadness. Yeah. And she seems to wear, uh, and he wears that blue suit that everyone keeps asking him that knows him. Like, why are you wearing that suit? <laughs> no, I just thought it was nice to wear a suit. Yeah. And uh, she wears lots of shades of red throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Of course, that's the color of like love and passion and stuff, yes. which is what she represents. Uh, so yeah, there's some symbolism going on with that too. What's the song? The poor little blue boy. Is that the song? The oh gosh, I think I'm it's an sure. Elvis song, but it's on yeah. the sound soundtrack okay. as well. And so that plays in there. Okay, I missed that. Poor little blue boy. My name's 
should be trouble My name should be woe For trouble and heartache Is all that I know Yes, lonely, lonely blue boy Is my name well, that's perfect. That works. <laughs> yeah, totally works. It is at the beginning. It's almost monochromatic. The the blue. It's like yeah, that opening it's like shot. White, black, and blue. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. That big swath of blue painted on the wall, and him over here in this dark little corner, <laughs> wearing his third. blue. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the rule of thirds is all right there. Yeah, it's beautiful stuff. I guess we should talk a little bit about what the movie is. Broad strokes. Yeah. Okay. Great. This guy. He's a sad bastard. Yep. He's got seven horrible sisters who just treat him like absolute garbage yes and one of them works with a young lady who she wants to set up with her brother barry our lead and the two basically just fall in love immediately and during this whole thing he's being extorted by some guys from utah so (laughs) they're in los angeles and some guys in utah are extorting him yes that's kind of the gist of the that's the the hot concept i guess yeah yeah and I, I I see a lot of now that I, like once I rewatched and zoomed out a little I see him as you're saying getting out of depression or you know grabbing hold of the reins of his life or um, yeah. yeah taking control things happen to him exactly. for most of his life and he finally starts yeah. doing things and so he first picks up this harmonium that randomly gets dropped off on the side of the road and i think seriously yeah i think that explained. was like a yes yeah. moment he's like yeah i'm yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take this yeah. and that freaked him out which is hilarious just to see his waddle he has a penguin waddle run in this movie like <laughs> it's does. so amazing and then Emily Watson or Lena comes by to drop off her car to get fixed, like right next door. And so he's like, even that, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. He's like freaking out mm-hmm. like so bad. Um, <laughs> so I think that was such a huge thing that was really hard for him to say yes to. But yeah, that, that harmonium, the second he touches it, the first time I think you hear music in the movie as well. Like music is right. kind of introduced as a very stressful language at that point thanks to it john is. brian's it work is. there yeah and that harmonium i suppose it symbolizes his uh it gives him calm i guess maybe he he feels he feels at peace when he's yeah messing around with it and he's not really like playing and he's not like shredding on the thing but he's just trying to learn yeah he's just pressing the keys here and there the the score i guess we should talk about yeah. that at some point too john brian is back yes on this one and man it's very percussive very uh, disjointed, which totally works. And the way it was done was weird. Usually when films are scored, walk, walk me through that. You're the filmmaker here. Oh, yeah. I mean, normally when uh, you make a movie, you kind of – you might have an idea. You might have talked to somebody and kind of uh, have a bit of a direction or a sound that you're going for. But really you turn in the movie and then somebody is in a studio listening and watching that with their little reference and – uh, scoring along top of that, like so, putting the the sound over the top. Uh, but yeah, this one definitely had an exception in that. I think John Bryan was actually on set. Is that correct? I, I'm not quite sure if he was on set that much. Maybe, um, but as if I recall, he it was very collaborative. Like he would uh, Paul Thomas Anderson before they filmed stuff, he would just kind of walk him through what he was looking for, and he would give him a bunch of pieces. Like okay, here's here's like ten ten pieces that I that I made for you, and um, he would set the rhythms of Barry talking like to the music or where it would complement the music. 
and the harmonium that was played, which is like source, yeah, right? Like it, yeah. it's it's happening on screen. Yeah, yeah. that blended in because the original idea was to have a lot of harmonium in the score itself, and yeah. then they threw that out the window and said, no, 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 the the, the harmonium that he's going to be playing in the scene will blend in nicely with this percussive stuff. Yeah, it kind of plays along with yeah, it. Yeah, so... And that, he plays that little bit that he plays. He plays, like, two notes, you know? Right. Or plays... Uh, and then, like, a little lick, but that's the melody, or at least a, mm-hmm. you know, a take, or mm-hmm. a, uh, it works with the melody. One of the craziest things um, with the music, they're walking out of that restaurant, as we talked about with that big old moving semi, the 18-wheeler on that corner. First of all, that is such a long take. They are in the restaurant, and he's like, leans over to Lena, and he's like, hey, I don't really like this place. Right. Like, we're going to leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> because his hand is bleeding because he just beat up the bathroom because he's so annoyed because his sisters have told him about this embarrassing right. story of him as a child. Yeah. And so... um as they're leaving, long shot. Oh my gosh, we're weaving and winding through the restaurant. It's like, oh yeah, Goodfellas would be like, yeah, you well, know, it's PTA's wheelhouse. Oh now. man, yes, yeah, so this beautiful. Is, this is a four movies in a row, four oh, really long, long right. takes. This one's oh, not yeah. nearly as. Uh, oh, Boogie Nights, the complicated shots in yeah, that, and like, the, the Magnolia oh one gosh. too. Magnolia yeah, and Boogie exactly. Nights are both really complicated. Oh my gosh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, so this one's easy <laughs> comparably. Sure. But we get outside and that semi's like turning the corner with them at the exact same time. Yeah. It's still all one shot, and the the uh, music is going, and the truck is turning the corner. It's like, and and the music actually, it's the brakes and the sounds of the brakes releasing and the hydraulics and stuff that play the music for just a moment, and then it's true changes back. I was watching for that. As a matter of fact, Will pointed that out in in the Heart Eight episode. He said, "Yeah, when you get to Punch Drunk Love, pay attention to that." I lost my mind when that. Like I didn't catch it when I watched this like back in college, but whoa, I didn't catch it at first either. But Will Will pointed that out, and he he was damned if he wasn't right. <laughs> I watched it four more times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre how this movie uses the uh the audio, the the score and the sound and it's all symbiotic. It's it wasn't like I, I may have given the impression a moment ago that the music dictated the rhythms of the scenes entirely. And that's oh, not yeah, no, entirely I, yeah. true. It it did in some places, but in some other places, I mean it was a give and take. It was it wasn't like all right, the movie is shot, and here it is, and you just write some shit to, to, to play along on top right. of it. Right, no, yeah. It was a lot of back and forth, a lot of conferring with one another. Oh, it it is it is a character. Yeah. like, And I, I think it's totally what uh, puts you so deep in your head. And it like, oh, I mean, you feel Barry's anxiety based on, yeah. you know, the music. It, it's like disjointed there's, yeah there's it's, a couple of moments where it's like it's i might timid. just need to pause just to regather my own like personal strength like the music really puts you in his headspace for sure like yeah agreed <laughs> really Poor amazing barry. barry is very very lonely he calls a sex line oh, that yeah, was a that thing was, oh, that yeah, people that, did back in the day yeah apparently i think it was part of his yes saying he mm-hmm. was just clipping out the he was clipping out the coupon for the for pudding yeah <laughs> And God, whoop. where do we start? I, I, let's, I guess we'll talk about the extortion, and then we'll we'll backtrack to the pudding. The pudding <laughs> is just fucking weird. It's just so weird. So he calls a sex line because he's lonely. It's yeah. not because he's horny. He just wants to talk to somebody. Right. That's literally all it is. He just wants to talk to this girl, and he, for some reason, 
thinks that he's got some kind of confidentiality code, like this is a doctor or an attorney that he's paid. Right. And turns out the sex worker on the other line works for this scumbag mattress king in Utah somewhere. Yeah. And they just start extorting him. They start calling him. They've got his credit card number. And it's just take, take, take. Yeah, they actually take his social on the phone. And he's just like, I shouldn't do this. Like, uh, he's like, I should hang up now. You know, you feel it. But yeah, they've. But he doesn't. He gets in with them. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, so that starts fucking his life up. They start calling him at work. And oh, my God, those scenes with him at work where work is going sideways. (laughs) He's got those clients and he's making an ass out of himself in front of the clients. Then his sister shows up and she's harping on him about showing up to the party or something. I think at that, oh yeah, yeah, that, that, that's right, yeah, yeah. But and also maybe it was that Lena constantly. was there also to get breakfast. You're right, that's exactly right. It was the next time, yeah, yeah when, when she's was. like, "We're gonna go get breakfast. You should come with the us." Party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the phone is constantly oh ringing, 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 and it's just these scumbags from from yep. Utah just cursing at him and threatening him, and uh, it's just. So I don't know how he held it together because as a viewer, I'm watching it. I know this is fiction and I'm on edge. Oh, yeah. Like the the warehouse workers are flying through the forklift and a box goes like launching off. And he stays Meanwhile, calm. Lena's like, oh, do you need to take care of that? But he's trying to stay chill in front of this new potential uh, girlfriend or uh, friend that he has a crush on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he holds it together. There's like, like two no, collisions no, no. <laughs> with forklifts, and he doesn't bat an eye. He's, yeah. It's amazing. It's so – it is funny. It is really funny, but it's actually it so stressful that you can't laugh. It's like one of those things where it's like, man, five years from now, I'm going to laugh about this. Like, right. But right now, no. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, part so, of the uh, the stable of PTA's actors <laughs> that he's got. He only brought in two because I mean, there's only so many roles in this one. Right. He got Philip Seymour Hoffman to go back to screaming, which you know he was this kind, delicate, gentle, oh, caring so soul, a beautiful soul yeah, in Magnolia. Magnolia. Yeah, and uh, sort of somewhat like that in, in Boogie Nights as well. Yeah. But then in uh, oh man, he's a bastard. He's a with the Coen brothers, you know, the Coen brothers archetype, they always have the yeah. screaming fat man. Yeah. The fat man that's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. bellowing. John Goodman. That's, that's <laughs> Phil Hoffman in this yeah. movie. Not, not, yes. to, not to call him fat, but no. he was a, he was a yes. large guy just screaming. Oh, just, oh, he's a mighty presence. His hair, he has a giant lion mane on him. Like, <laughs> mattress he, man. Yeah. <laughs> the mattress man. That's oh, that man. mattress man. What um, a talent that guy was. Oh, yes. Oh, what a shame we lost him. Uh, yeah. Jeez, how how does that how does he get introduced? She the the girl who's extorting um, him kind of hands off the phone. Yeah, I think it's when Barry calls and starts screaming at her. Yeah, she's like, "Oh, we got a problem." Yeah, that's what it was. That's yeah. exactly what it was. And he's handling some business with a henchman, and he sends the henchman off to do. He's like a small time. I think he's a mattress guy as like his. That's his front. Yeah, storefront. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like just I guess an extortionist or whatever. We really don't get a good sense of what he does. Maybe maybe he just dabbles in extortion. I don't know. It was uh so this time I actually kind of saw it with new eyes. There's actually there's there's one long shot where they introduce them and it kinda is going to this back room and there's a fake wall and there's probably like four or five uh women on the phone. That's right. The camera pans to the right. And you just remember the slight audio cue is like, Are you stroking? 
in your cock, that's you know, right. or something yeah. like like. There's just one of these, just like, oh my gosh, like that's the right. words that are used. It's so <laughs> abrasive. Yeah, but uh, man, I think that all of that to me, that whole extortion thing is really interesting. It's like to call a phone sex line, and they're really just using his guilt or shame that surrounds sex. And so they know they have some form of tool to control uh, these men who are desperate and lonely and can't communicate. And they're just counting on them being ashamed of sex. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty, that com- I, I think there's a pretty big thing that PT Anderson's kind of going after there. Like, but in true PTA form, he, he has rat bastards in his movies and his, his camera tends to have an impartial eye. He doesn't really hit you over the head with how you should feel about these yeah. characters. He just lets you see them behaving the Ag- way they're gonna. Agreed. And you make up your own mind about how you feel about it. But if you're a rat bastard in a PTA movie, you're going to get yours. Yeah. And that moment when, when, when Barry calls him and they're screaming, fuck you at each other and shut up, shut up, shut up, that whole thing. <laughs> yes. He's freaking out, and he's screaming that. He's screaming that because his whole thing is just falling apart. Yeah. His extortion plan is falling apart, yeah. and he realizes he can't play Barry like that. Right. And all they can do now is threaten him physically. Right, exactly. And I, I think that's such a beautiful thing to see. Like Barry is realizing this in his own self through um, falling in love with the, with a girl. He's yeah. seeing that, like, wait, no, I have value. I have a voice, like... And it makes me strong, is how I said. Yeah. 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 I have love in my life, and it makes me stronger than any beast you can imagine. Something like that. Like, it's like, whoa, man. It's so, it's so cathartic seeing, hearing him say that stuff, too. Yeah. He's such a pushover, and he's so, uh, not to use a chauvinist term, but I mean, henpecked is the only thing I can think of to say by his Uh, sisters. They're just, they're so horrible to him. (laughs) He's a footnote in their life. Yeah. Like they've got their own little community going on, and they're like, "Oh yeah," and then we've got our yeah. w- weird brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, man, I would the the sisters are so funny. In those artistic visuals, some of the things you see are stars. Yeah, like, yeah, the interstitials, the, uh-huh. the the digital art. Yeah, that kind of flows through there and informs feelings a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also find it in- interesting that he has seven sisters, and there's like the constellation seven sisters, and I don't have a clue. Oh, I don't have a clue what this means. You may but, be onto something. But maybe. I think it's just a a bookmark for for us all to research. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe I should have done some more research before we did this episode. Those are great. The interstitials. Uh, yeah. There's a little documentary that comes on the Criterion uh, edition of this film. Not the um, DVD, the Blu-ray. I have the DVD right. and it doesn't look very good. So yeah, well, they, 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 they added a bunch of stuff in like, uh, there's an interview with John Bryan from like 2012, 2014. Oh, nice. Yeah. 2014, like a good 12 years removed from the, from the film. Yeah. And I think they added that too, because that guy passed away, that artist, I can't remember his name right now, something Jacobs, if I'm not mistaken, he was a digital artist. Okay, I believe yeah. he passed away in 07, but there's these really neat little interstitials between acts in the film. I really don't know how to explain them. They're just... Yeah, glowing colors, like... They uh, fade into one another, and... Yeah, where I think the rest of the movie is, like, very monochromatic, very just blue. And then you start to get the reds introduced with Lena. Um, but then in these, like, 
emotional or feeling moments or in transition moments you get this like crazy technical or like blah gradient right. like light play i don't know what's going on but yeah it feels really good it, yeah <laughs> the guy knows that the uh, pta understands that language of cinema yeah and, and there's there's always a little something under that you can just watch this movie and go oh that's neat i don't know why i put that there but but it's neat but there's 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 something to it there's always a little substance there yeah you know i don't i don't feel dumb for having missed it but it, it I, I do i like to have a little more meat on the bone for movies like yeah this. Anyway. um Another thing that kind of works with those interstitials is like the lens flares that are going on throughout. Lots of lens flares. This was J.J. Abrams' doubt. Yeah, almost. this is pre-Star Trek, everybody. Sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, well, not not like all Star Trek. I mean, pre-J.J. Abrams' Star right, Trek. Right. Yeah, let me correct myself. <laughs> yeah, the, the Kelvin timeline we're talking about, folks. <laughs> but... Oh man, the, the yeah, the lens flares he got on there. I feel like he was doing that fishing line type of trick on some of the shots to get like the light to catch out in front of the well, Tell me about that. The, so, um I believe this is the way it's done or I, I don't know, the JJ Abrams thing. Um you can actually put like fishing line or thin like optics or some sort of plastic and if the light will refract through that, if that line catches that light then you get that crazy line of color across the lens so it's like a a way you can make that happen in in camera i didn't know that yeah so i think i I was like oh wow i think that's what's going on here yeah and on some of them i think it's kind of painted or like maybe digitally masked over the top of it but Mm -hmm. a lot of it is happening just with like natural light bleed that's yeah that wouldn't surprise me he's uh we know pta is a big believer in film and he purist yeah, yeah he absolutely hates the idea of digital stuff but i'm sure he's he would be okay with yeah a special effect here or there yeah 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 you know? yeah i think with the color stuff yeah i don't think he's but, quite as a, a luddite as as like a tarantino yeah if we can't do it in camera then fuck it we're not doing it yeah right um i saw one person compare this movie to tarantino and where it's Every character in a Tarantino movie is like the most like profound and well spoken person ever, you know? <laughs> like right. that, that dialogue. Yeah, in in this movie it's like Barry is not well spoken. I think he his main go to's are like, Okay, um, sure, I don't know. Um and there's a lot of like blunders in his talking as well that you know you pick up on, and the rest of the characters try to you know help help him through that. Like, sure. Like, oh, I'm food, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Like, Barry, just... how you, how you doing, man? Barry, how you doing? Oh, I am food. <laughs> it's like, did you just say that you're food? <laughs> yeah. No. And the sister goes straight for the throat. Yeah, exactly. They're so terrible. It was nice to see uh, her, the main sister that we see in the movie. I don't know how to pronounce this actress's last yeah. name. I'm sorry. Mary Lynn. R- I I, I'm, I'm sorry, Mary Lynn. You're, you're uh, fantastic so talent. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, she was cut out of Magnolia. Oh really? She had a she had a whole scene in Magnolia that was that was cut right out. So it was nice to see her get it. Get yeah, a in this one. awesome. Yep. Yeah. The scene where it's during the seminar. Frank T. J. Mackey gives a seminar how to. Uh, I, I oh, forget. Yeah. Just, just how to manipulate women, and yep. then it cuts away in the actual film. But in the extended version that's that's on the Blu-ray, it shows 
him telling you and it, it's her and him acting out like what's what oh, he's walking no. you through so it's like frank tj Mackey narrating how he's just using this woman for sex oh wow yeah. yep and of she's course. she's the actress but she got cut out of the film sadly but anyway she's back in the movie she's yeah she's back in the mix what what else am i thinking of her from I mr think... show okay yes and yeah. she was on 24 yeah. She was on 24. I never saw that, but I heard that she was on it. But she was on the first two seasons of HBO's Mr. Show with Bob and David, if you yeah, remember that. Yeah, yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I believe she was dating David Cross. At the oh, time. okay, yeah. awesome. I thought that, you know, I, I thought the choice of Emily Watson was a very distinct decision, especially like Adam Sandler, you'd think, is just kind of the, the bro comedy from America. And at least the way I think of Emily Watson is just like, whoa, this amazingly talented uh, European actress who's just like top shelf. Right. So it's just like it's a really perfect. Uh, Adam Sandler got brought into that world, man. I mean, yeah, PTA's no slouch either. You know, oh my he's gosh, a critical darling. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's highly respected, and then to bring in a guy like Adam Sandler, that was a ballsy move. That's 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 almost up there with. Not to invoke Tarantino yet again, but bringing in Travolta or yeah, you know, or, oh, yeah. or Robert Forrester or someone, yeah, you know, and just kind of uh, I don't know about reviving their career because Adam Sandler was doing just fine. He's he's paying the bills, right? Yeah, he was certainly paying the bills at this. Oh point my gosh, yes. He did not need this movie at all. No, right. Um, he's living very comfortably, but I mean, he won some awards for this. He got a lot of recognition for it, and people realized, oh, this guy does more than just you know fart jokes or whatever. Yeah. The- there's moments in a few scenes where he's like tensing, you know, his jaw muscles and just seeing his just like so uh, withheld, I guess. But, sure. but so just like, oh, man, this guy is breaking down on the inside. And it's just it's so well acted. Like one critic, really crushes it. One critic, I forget who, maybe it was Roger Ebert, said that after seeing this movie, uh, he could see. Adam Sandler doing roles that, say, a younger Dennis Hopper uh, yeah. w- w- would have been perfectly cast as. Yeah, Roger, Roger Ebert hates uh, or hated uh, Sandler movies. Like, oh, he yeah. Hate, and he would always go on the record as being very rude <laughs> about how much he hated Adam Sandler sure, movies. Sure. And so, yeah, th- it was a big deal when Ebert was like, uh... This guy's got talent, and yeah. uh, how long is he going to keep making, you know, fratty movies yeah. or... And the answer to that is yes, <laughs> he did. He went right back to that stuff. That's yeah, that's what he knows. That's fine. I'm not, yeah. I mean, it's, it's paying the bills, man. I mean, you I, just need to PT Anderson to write him more in parts. But fuck it, art, let's dance. You know? <laughs> so we had Louis Guzman too. I guess uh, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention him. He doesn't really have a lot to do in this movie. Yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, yeah, he just kind of had to stand there and look baffled by the right. choices that Barry was making. And One of the looks he gives when uh, Lena is in there and he sees Lena for the first time and then she asks for, can I give you my number and my address? And he's like, sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> Guzman's moment in the film. That's his Guzman's moment. face He there. says nothing. He just, his no. face. It's great. I was dying laughing. Yeah, it's so funny. He's just like complete disbelief. He's like, how is this happening? That guy's fantastic. He's a national treasure. That's true. Louis Guzman, but yeah, yep. he, he and uh, I believe uh, Hoffman are the only two from the the PTA stable of actors that yeah. actually made it into this film. Yeah, which again, that that's fine. There's only five or six speaking roles in this movie, so right, that's fine. It can't be wall to wall John C. Rileys and Philip Baker oh, Halls and John C. Riley could be in there. Wow. <laughs> 
That would have been four in a row. He was in the first three. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's done one since, has he? That's weird. That is He weird. was in the first three. Man, I'm not trying to infer anything. Yeah. I'm sure they're still buddies. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I don't know. Just uh, hadn't had the right part. He's, he was, he's an artist, folks. Yeah, he's probably mad that he got replaced by Adam Sandler. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe well he started in the first one you know? he was like the yeah. guy in the first oh so. absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i i believe that he actually heard the story about this whole pudding cups type of thing like P. that's Anderson, a real thing that that is a real thing that's a real thing a guy got over a million frequent flyer miles through some sort of a um promotion that a pudding company made and he spent three grand on pudding <laughs> and got over a million frequent flyer miles yeah. from doing that. Which um, is funny. Yeah, but well, the, the UPC, you have to have the UPC for it, but it wasn't on like in a pack of four pudding cups. Yeah. It didn't have the one on the label. Each pudding cup had its own. So he Amazing. was exploiting that. And, Which is exactly what Barry... And that's what Barry did. And that's movie. where this movie starts. Like it starts with him like on the phone with a guy like talking through the fine print of like the the... That's right. The promotion. And it's like, what is going on? I think that's where it's it's a really fun puzzle at the beginning. It's only halfway through that you really are like see that, oh, he's actually gonna he's he's actually gonna get something. He figured it out. <laughs> like he's yeah. gonna get something from these pudding He gained cups. the system. Yeah. <laughs> at one point she says, like, you're insane <laughs> you know, like directly to him. It's like But <laughs> he shouldn't feel bad, and I don't think he does feel bad at all for, for exploiting this. I agree. Because he called that guy and he walked him through it, and he told the guy, hey, this is what your fine print says, and this is how it can be exploited, and the guy doesn't give a shit. The guy oh, yeah. like, just wants to get off the phone with this weirdo that's calling him up asking, asking him about a pudding promotion. <laughs> you can tell the tone of the guy's voice. He just wants to get off the damn phone, and he does. So, I mean, he, he tried. He yeah, told the guy, no, here's, exactly. here's what I could do, and the guy doesn't care. So, yeah. Yes, I think that's like he's saying yes to that pudding promotion, which is very weird. He says yes to the harmonium. He's not sure about the girl. But then later he's like, oh, wait, he's cutting out that pudding promotion. He sees the sex talk line. And so he says yes to that. And I think that and that's the one that burns him. I think it makes him scared of saying yes going into the future. And it's kind of like, whoa, is this going to be the thing that takes out our character and his ability to trust in others? Or is this going to be the thing that he can, you know, grow up and conquer? Yeah, which, but it's, it, that's right. He, he, he conquers it. He, 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 he mans up, if to use another misogynist term. Yeah. Man up. Uh, yep. <laughs> but he does. And he, he does. He rips that fucking phone right out of the wall and wraps the cord around his hand, drives all the way to Utah and gets right in Phil Hoffman's face. Yes, Still holding that fucking phone <laughs> after driving half of the country. That may be the funniest moment. Oh in the my god! You realize he held onto that damn phone <laughs> yeah. receiver on a cross country drive. Exactly. It's not until I'm older that it's like, oh wait, L.A. <laughs> to like Salt Lake City. That's that's a long drive. Yeah, that's yeah, a drive. <laughs> um, which he ditched his girlfriend in the hospital. Yeah. Um, um, because he's like, whoa. She got hurt as a result of all of this. And he's like, I need to clean up the mess that I've created in my life. So you see what he's doing, and it's noble. But when he gets back with her, he he definitely has to apologize a bunch. And the one, yeah. thing, and the one thing she does really say is, like, 
you left me in the hospital. You can't do that. You know, she's she's like she's not a pushover. She's sure. she's putting up strong boundaries for sure. She ran the risk of being kind of a I don't know, maybe not a well-developed or maybe an underwritten I character. Agree. If I she get just feelings. rolled with it, yeah. you needed her to put her foot down yeah. right then for her to have some sort of her own agency. Otherwise, she's just there as a prop for him. Exactly, exactly. But she's like, no, you can never do that. And so, yeah, there there is a little bit of strength. Uh, that is nice. I, I agree with what you just said, yeah. for sure. Another thing she said was like, she finally confesses, like one of the lies that she's kind of going along with, um, as Barry tells a lot of small lies to make his life easier. She's like, the only reason I went to drop my car off at that place was because I saw you in a picture of your sisters. And I was like, oh, I want to meet that guy. Like, I feel like I like that guy. So she's completely committed to like this uh, cute idea of of this guy so i don't know it's it's a pretty <laughs> yeah it's a yeah. little fluffy it's definitely a romantic comedy is, you know and she could be rebounding all we know about yeah. her past is that she was married at one point yeah this, this could just be a rebound for right her. we don't we don't six really months know. ago she was in a relationship like dating i think she says and then okay. yeah, she was married in okay. the past also okay. so yeah. You know, this is really this movie is really just the story of the beginning of their relationship. Yeah. The, the way the movie ends, the very last words. Is it here we go? And here we go. And here we go. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Cut to credits. Oh, chills. Yeah. Huge chills. PTA knows how to again. end a movie, man. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. That's that's 4 for 4 um on on the on the endings. Yeah. Just just grabbing you and just ah fantastic yeah so satisfying and then the music is so engaging yeah you just hang for the credits it's so great to hang out for the credits i do yeah. I, I almost always hang out for the credits in pta movies there i, I know there's not like some marvel-esque <laughs> stinger waiting for me on the yeah, other end yeah. there's not a pta shared universe right thank right. god there's not um, gonna be a raccoon dac- dance sequence or something <laughs> like no. <laughs> no but uh yeah just there's something about it they, they feel like they're part of the film those, yeah, those credits, uh, yeah, especially Magnolia, but oh but my gosh, all of them—the the music, yep. the score—it all just works. Just even the way the credits look, yeah, in a lot of these movies, yeah. I think this one, I think, uh, kind of transitioning over from Magnolia. Did we touch on this? But transitioning from Magnolia, there is a lot of circumstance and you know chances that are like this organ suddenly you know being ejected from this taxi cab. Where did that come from? What was this? event what was this frog falling from the sky like sure um and that's what it was it was kind of a frog falling from the sky it's never explained right there's nothing there's nothing i'm fine with that yeah i don't and need that, it and that car that wrecks why did that car wreck wait there's a violent car wreck Remi- right? how do what so, do I, why do i not remember this so it's right as the organ is being dropped off like mm. he's looking in this jeep yes. just like yes it just the, the, like a tire blows out or something and it yeah. flips over like eight times yeah <laughs> I have no idea. Horrific car wreck. And then the I have no idea what that was off. about. There, yeah. There's something there. It means something. PTA is a filmmaker that knows what the hell he's doing. And yeah. I, yeah, I don't it's know. It's almost what like, is. hey, here's here's where Magnolia left off, and now we're, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. I don't know exactly what's happening. Cheers. Cheers. Cracking a beer. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, one of the things, yeah, talking about depressed and uh, he's hanging out with his sisters and they keep uh, bringing in embarrassing things of the past or like how they used to call him gay boy when he was growing up. Oh, remember when he called you gay boy and it made you so mad? You made you so mad when we called you gay boy. And it's just like, oh, you feel this. Uh, yeah, he has a lot of back on that like sexual repression or just like angst or just like, oh, poor buddy is is hurting. Like yeah. he, he's not confident on this front. He also has this aside with one of the brothers because yeah, his brother-in-law, <laughs> the, the the doctor, yeah. the, the dentist, yeah, <laughs> who he also thought he had confidentiality with. Exactly, which is a it's a dentist and also a brother-in-law to one of his yeah. <laughs> one of his harpy sisters. Exactly, and he's trying to ask him advice about mental health issues, and he's so ashamed of even having like mental health issues, and it's just like, oh man, like where. That scene right there, there's there's a hilarious moment within it where he's like, and sometimes I'll just like start crying. <laughs> you know, he just like boom, like snaps in and yeah. just starts bawling crying. It's like, but it's just example, like, oh my no. gosh, that moment of honesty where he's like able to share that and he starts crying like now as an adult, like, oh, it, I still had the knee jerk laughter, but it hurts so yeah. bad. Like, that it line, was like sometimes. I don't like myself. It's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that poor guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Sandler, you, you make good art when you want to. Oh, oh man. Why don't you want to? Um, <laughs> it is so beautiful. I know your failed SNL buddies need work, too, but yeah. come on, man. <laughs> man, I, I, I don't know. P.T. Anderson's a hard writer to <laughs> compete with. Yeah, and I don't think you can just call him up and say, hey, write me a part. <laughs> right. You know, right. He's going to write what he wants to write for who he wants to write for. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. How does this fit into a, to his overall filmography for you? As far as like I mean, rankings? I'm not trying to get into ranking and stuff, but I mean, is this yeah. like a top tier? Is it a mid tier? Is it a lower? I I love this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I, I do. Yeah, I really love this movie. So it's 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 right up there. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I, Magnolia and Boogie Nights are kind of their own. Just like, whoa, these are their own thing. And I love what he. I love There Will Be Blood, and you know the conversation that's being had there. I I think that one got a little bit heady, or maybe a little lost on me. A little, just a little long. I don't know what happened, to, but I love that movie, and it's hilarious and awful and paints a beautiful picture of how corrupt and awful america is but man punch drunk love uh it's so personal it's so uh concentrated and so limited in so many factors like even like our main characters vocabulary is so limited it's, it's so, kind of a quickie it, uh, for pta yeah you know, it's, it's a it's a brisk watch it, it is. I mean, there's, there's plenty of meat on that bone, but... Yeah, it's orange juice concentrate, you know. It, sure. It's it's a little tart, and you want to spit it out a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said earlier there were only, like, ten scenes in the whole movie, but... Uh, yeah, you know. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually count, but it really does... It feels like it, you know? yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a quick one. Uh, I mean, especially coming off of Magnolia. I mean, when I watched this, I was still knee-deep in Magnolia for the last episode, and so I still had a lot of that on my mind, and yeah. I watched it, and I was like, man, that was quick and easy, <laughs> and okay, it was nice. I think I might be ready for There Will Be Blood next. Uh, nice, yeah. 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 
So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to rank it. I don't know. Yeah. I think one of the big things also is just you start to see Barry gain confidence in himself. He gains his own voice. He's like, whoa, this is what I'm feeling. I need to express this. Or I'm going to go to Hawaii because this girl's going to Hawaii. Sure. The and way he expressed himself before was just, I'm going to take a hammer and smash this sliding glass door. Right, right. Or beat up a bathroom. It's like, whoops, it's only anger that's coming out. And he's just unable to express himself. Yeah. And finally learning, like, oh, this is what I want. Like, he Even when he was off... trying to. <laughs> Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. yeah. He hands off the business to Louis. Guzman. Louis... Yeah, yeah, to Guzman. And he's like, man, just you just run it. And it's like, I, you don't see him being capable of handing off anything at the beginning. And he's finally asking the people around him, like, hey, can you help me with this? Because this is what I'm doing. I'm collecting these pudding cups because I'm going to get a bunch of flight miles. Like, he finally is having confidence in the yeah. crazy person that he is. So, so it, yeah. He I, takes the reins and things stop happening to him and he starts making things happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. great. It's 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 a feel-good movie, I guess, at the, towards the end anyway. Once it he is. Once he gets his mojo, he starts <laughs> taking the reins. It's, it's great. Yep. He gets mean a couple times, you know. He has to. He has to embrace that. He has to yell curse words over the phone. <laughs> oh my gosh! When he's yelling at his sister, he's like, "I don't need to tell you what I'm doing. I'm gonna fucking tell that's you." So great. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> you can't fucking do this for me. Because <laughs> he can't tell her the truth. Why he? I mean, he could just tell his sister, like, "I love the girl and I want her phone number." Yeah. But he he's incapable of doing that. So he's still kind of hurting just himself. Just give me the fucking number. That ought to be good enough for you. Give me that fucking number. She's <laughs> like, Jesus, Barry. Okay. She'd never heard it. You yeah. noticed her her tone of voice changed completely. She was like, "Oh my god, here, here." Yeah, she had never heard it. I agree. Yeah. And yeah, something changed in that guy. <laughs> uh, I think we've. Pretty much done it, right? Have we? I feel great. I do too. I have Good one talk. page of notes. There's about ten things written on here, and we got them all. Okay. So. Okay. Do <laughs> uh, you have anything you want to plug? What are you up to? Well, I'm always uh, making short films with friends. Drew Maynard, Dicey Wildman, some of my best friends that I'm always working with. So if you see their names, uh, check out anything they're working on. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Will do. Will do. Nice. Yep. Caleb, it's great to meet you, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Jason. I had a blast. Absolutely. Yeah. Good great. talk. And there you have it, episode four all wrapped up. Punch Drunk Love may be the perfect movie to talk about before our next episode, where we'll discuss, dissect, and review PTA's towering cinematic achievement, There Will Be Blood. Filmography Club is produced by We Own This Town, home of many top-shelf podcasts produced right here in Nashville, Tennessee, and a network that I'm proud to be a part of. If I could take a moment to plug a fellow We Own This Town podcast, I'd like to recommend Olivia Ladd's Bandsplainer, a podcast that's exactly what the name implies. Every episode, Olivia takes an important band and breaks down exactly what makes them relevant, and it's always very informative and entertaining. So music nerds, look up Bandsplainer. You'll almost certainly dig it. I'd like to thank my guest, Caleb Dirks. I'd also like to thank Michael Leeds, Will Fox, Ross Warner, and Dicey Wildman. Thanks for listening. And all at once I knew, I knew at once, I knew he needed me. Until the day I die, I wanna want